You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by Don't Group Text Message People. Yeah, don't do it. Just don't do it. Ever. Never, Unless ever. you're my dad because he does that and he's Gerald. And if you're 70-something and you can use text messages and group texts, then, you know, I mean, you're doing all right for 70-something. Yeah, but if you're not trying to work out some explicit project or, like, quick thing with two or three people, don't do it. Just don't. I mean, he just, like, he just adds people at random from his from his contacts. Yeah, but he's 70. He can do whatever the fuck he wants to. sends them pictures of, like, their trip to London, like, my mom trying to hike up a hill like, look, Sandy's having a hard time. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, this is uh, we've had a lot happen since the last time you heard from us, and we're going to cover all of it in the next 46 minutes. Um, I just made 46. up that number. Yeah, exactly. 46. Starting okay. right meow. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about our, our last week or donations. Uh, Toby L from California from fitmindtraining.com sent in $50. 50 bucks. Damn. Damn. We've had a lot of 50s. That's rowdy as shit. Just, yeah. Just who's on a 50? Is it Jackson? No, that's a 20. Uh, oh, God. I think it's Sacagawea. <laughs> Them grants just piling Ulysses in. Ulysses S. Grant. So many S's. Ulysses S. Grant. All those S's look like dollar signs. Show enough. Um, yeah, we have a bunch of questions that are semi-interrelated-ish. Um, but to catch up on what happened since last time, what happened with you, Kenny? Uh, no exciting trips or anything. Just usual little bit of local riding. Everything is all good. All good in the hood? Yeah, so nothing, like I said, nothing super cool, nothing super exciting. Business as usual. Did you order a million new Canada bikes? <laughs> I'm just about to. So laying out, gonna lay out the cash. All them, all them hardtails and short travel Memphis bikes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, you know, usual bikes that actually make us money, so that we can all have jobs. Oh yeah, and quicks. So quicks, the quick is all updated and such. It's pretty, pretty neato. Pretty quick. Yeah, short chain stays. <laughs> Out front geo, I'm dead serious. That's, that's oh my crazy. god. Yeah, they're gonna be awesome. They put out they they put on. like they updated the geometry on a hybrid for real. Yeah, they did. They really did. Well, I mean, really, if you make the top tube longer and the stem shorter, then it's not gonna be as twitchy and it's gonna be better for the the casual rider. Yeah. I mean it yeah, really will good. be. And then, yeah, especially smaller bikes, toe overlaps not quite as bad and all good stuff. There you so, have it, folks. I, w- I want an out front road bike. Oh man! Speaking of bikes, so like that reminded me. So we sell FXs, which is like the Trek version of a quick. Yeah. Um, and they're extremely popular for college kids. Um, but we had this this uh, young woman today, a freshman in college, starting her first year, bring in um, an alloy Yeti. Like a nice, a de- like for its time, it's like Mavic wheels and XT, XTR, some crappy haze brakes, but you know, it was like haze nine brakes. Those, those suck. But the rest of the bike, like for when it was made was like a nice bike and it's a, a, a relatively desirable bike and she was going to use it. Her dad sent it with her. It, it was his bike. Um, she was using it as a like get around commuter, like go to class bike. That's awesome. Yeah, except in Boulder, bike theft is really, really, really terrible. So that bike yeah. is doomed to be because she even and so this is this is my uh, hypothesis. She uh, I recommended that she get an extra chain. She had a U lock, kind of a crappy one, but she had a U lock, um, and I recommended that she get an extra cable or chain to run through the wheels because I was you know I was like someone's going to steal your wheels, and. uh she called her dad and asked if she could buy one with a credit card, and he said, no, it's insured. So awesome. dad Boom. sent that thing off to get stolen so he could update his Yeti. Hell yeah. I mean, if you got the homeowners and you're a smart person, 
<laughs> Fuck it, right? You're not He's doing like, anything yeah, that's wrong. Definitely going to get stolen. Like, <laughs> like she came in with it, and you know, I mean, she's just like if you imagine a stereotypical college freshman girl, that was this girl with a like a Yeti full suspension. Like so she had a Yeti in one hand and a Zima in the other hand. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we're I was like, wait, are you using that to get to class? And she's like, yeah. Like, do you have a lock? She's like, yeah, I've got this U-lock, and it's like a shitty, like a Walmart U-lock. You know, it's like, oh, God, your bike is going to get stolen so fast. So it was full suspension? Yeah. That's rowdy. Like, full suspension. I mean, it wasn't, like, current. Late to class, hitting the stair gaps. Yeah, rop, she's rop. hitting them stair gaps on the way to class. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a current bike, but it was still, like, I mean, considering most people try to ride, like, the cheapest, shittiest bike possible that still rolls because people steal bikes so much. Um, that one was like gonna, it's gonna be, it's probably already stolen by now. <laughs> and dad's like, oh, Yeti's stolen. Oh, yeah. Better call up the insurance. Better agent. get a tall boy three. Better get a Yeti four five, five, five. now. Speaking of five fives. I rode one of those the day after we recorded. Um, I had talked about it, and I rode one, and I'm definitely going to... Oh, God, is it actually recording? Jesus. It is. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I rode a Yeti 5.5, and it was good. Um, it was really good. So what is the 5.5? I seriously don't know shit about big bikes. Is it 27.5 or 29? 29. Don't okay, play. Well, that's good. I ain't okay. riding those Yeah, the 4.5 and the 5.5 are the 29, like... Longer travel ones and the okay. what's the ASR? ASR is like their cross country cross country full suspension. So what'd you think about it? Uh, so it was I can't remember the travel in the front one fifty or one sixty one fifty. What kind of fork? Fox thirty six. Fuck yeah. With I mean that's the kind of bike it is. So Fox thirty six, um, thirty five millimeter bar and stem, uh, reverb dropper with. GX1 and um, what are those wheels? DT Swiss wheels. It had that big Minion 2.5 tire on the front. Yeah, that DHF. Yeah, DHF 2.5 on the front. Um, and it was a, it is just no joke the get hurt machine. Um, <laughs> you broke yourself off just a tiny bit. I wrecked a little bit. It was a really stupid wreck and it was 100% my fault. Um, my brain did all the things that it shouldn't have done. And I went down and scraped my leg up really, not really bad. It wasn't, you probably should have gotten stitches bad. It was just like a large portion was barely scraped off bad. Um, so I've just spent the last week wearing lots of band-aids and keeping things moisturized, moisturizing my situation. Uh, <laughs> so it won't be too, too gross. Um, you got to get on that tegaderm. This is like too. It would cost a lot to put Tegaderm. It's like basically his shin from like above the sock to the knee. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! You can Tegaderm that bitch all day. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean you could, but it would be like you would use a box of Tegaderm per application. Get that industrial Tegaderm. All you got to do is get. <laughs> uh, you just got to use some Saran wrap and then tape it. Fine. <laughs> I mean, he's he's doing all right. Um. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um. And. It's good. We didn't get a ton of runs in. We got six, which yeah. is like, that's actually pretty average for people that go to Winter Park for a day. I was just really tired. Um, I so could have done like endurance runs. Like I, I wanted to just like circle the lift and go down. And I just didn't have it like that. Um, and we were with some people. And, and this is the thing. If you're going to go to the bike park, and these were all nice people. I'm not bashing them. I'm just saying, in general, if you go to the bike park, don't go with people that are way outside of your skill level in either direction because it's going to be a little disappointing for everybody. So that's, that's all I'm saying. Cause we, we had like on the upside of our skill level and on the downside of our skill level and yep. So we were pretty it much slowed us down. We were pretty much centered in the group. And then there was some people that had never ridden any real, bike park even not lift assisted but just gnarly stuff on big bikes not those two things together um and then there was uh my co-worker on his full downhill rig um uh, 
Yeah, so like if the two more beginner people had gone together by themselves, they would have had, I think, more fun. No, I think that they enjoyed having someone there with them. Um, and really the only thing that put a damper on it is uh, we were going to split off and do like the bunny group does bunny runs and the other group does shred runs. And then my coworker proceeded to break himself off. I'm talking. Yeah, he, he did like a tabletop. Like he jumped. So the, at Winter Park, Winter Park, the jump run is called Rainmaker. And he hit. He like, made it rain. He made it rain straight into the bench of the bench cut trail. Like he he went up. <sighs> he went off the front the front side of it, and then when he landed on the back side, he was right next to the bench and like planted a pedal into the bench. And so did he over jump it, or no. did he jump crooked? No, no, no. He jumped straight, but the trail wasn't perfectly straight. No. So they need to do a lot of work to this landing because I nearly wrecked there last year. And then I nearly wrecked the same way on a like three jumps later. What happens is they've bench cut this big jump trail in. And if you can imagine, um, they're almost just like cutting out the not jump parts, you know, like what would be the flat sections and sure. leaving the jumps there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and as the, the bench is eroding away, you used to almost be able to like pocket hip this jump and jump up bench. But now that's eroded away really bad, and there's just giant baby head rocks sticking out. So when he landed, I watched him land and his suspension compress, and then his pedal strike a rock, and then he was on the front wheel for that, like, is he going to save it? Is he not? And then he ate shit over the bars. Was he okay? Um, He finished that run with skin flapping off of his hands and blood dripping off of his hands. Yeah, he didn't wear gloves. Why do people not wear gloves? Because it feels so good. It's like going bareback. It just feels awesome. And then, but see, that doesn't like you know. While bareback or bareback feels right, uh, no gloves does not feel right. It does. It feels so right. It feels so weird. I feel like my hands are going to rip off the bars when I don't wear. Kenny, I'm with you. I just I don't. No, it feels so. Gloves are tacky and awesome and. I hit so much shit in my hands, plus they need to stay pretty. So I would never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's been another episode of Just Riding Along. Oh, God. That's just like mic dropping. I love Kenny's pretty hands. Can we make like the picture for this episode a picture of Kenny's hands? Will you send us a picture of your hands? Uh, Sure. That's weird, but. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to change your icon on the mountain bike radio site to just be a picture of your hands. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's a good bike. Um, I know every, that's like a, just a generic statement. Um, I don't think I would ever want to own one though. It's good. a high quality long travel bike. Yeah. It's just, it's just way more bike than I'm not going to ride lift service enough to justify owning that bike. And the reality is that bike goes so fast. Like there's not a, so winter park is blown out right now like it's late in the season everything's blown out there's yeah there's brake, brake bumps, bumps everywhere. everywhere there's no brake bumps on that bike that bike doesn't have brake bumps it doesn't get stuck in the holes and the like in the in the chunky like more traditional trail techie parts you know like not the wide open flowy stuff um it doesn't get stuck in holes it, it doesn't rips, slow down it manuals like i mean really the only thing that it needs is like a better rider for it so I won't ride one of those bikes in the front range. Like at the speed at which that bike got interesting going downhill. And I know we've beat this to death, but you are murdering hikers like that, that you would be going so fast. You would literally kill someone. It's a lift run bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the kind of bike. I think it's a lift run bike or just a big mountain bike. If you choose to take a long day and you're going to pedal up, you could rip down. And it's yeah. still safe because you're basically ripping down uh, lift runs. It's it's basically it's it's a little like the Mach Six in that it's a bike that's as close as you can get to a downhill bike and still pedal uphill, yeah. which actually pivots new bike. Uh, well, not necessarily new, but the the newest version of the Firebird is also supposed to be like that. It's it's like a bigger Mach Six without being a downhill bike. Like you should still be able to kind of pedal it uphill. 
Um, though the slacker they get in the front, the more the front wheel, when you're going uphill with, on one of those bikes, like the front wheel just, it, it has a mind of its own. Yeah. That is one point where you may want like that Fox Talus adjustable fork, even though it's a nightmare to actually own a Talus cause you have to actually work on it. <laughs> and they're also crazy expensive. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that would be one situation where it actually would make sense because it doesn't just limit your travel. It actually drops down in the travel. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Trek is specking on their new Slash 29er is an adjustable talus. So you can you can rage it at 150 and then ride it at 130. So a uh, question for you guys. I don't know pivots that well, and I'm not on the website. Do they have a long travel 29? Not yet. Uh, the Switchblade is sort of is like the closest – thing that they have to a long travel 29. It's the one that's 29 or 27, five plus. Hmm. Um, I forgot the exact amount of travel on that one. I can, I can look it up really quick. If you guys want to talk about something else, I'm, a, I'm going with 150. I think it is 150. So yeah, it's a long travel 29er. Cool. Yeah. We'll just call it 150 and say that's it. <laughs> Even if we're wrong, it's okay. <laughs> Um, hey, that looked like we had another donation with a note. Nope. Okay. Um, oh, you're looking it up on the on the real internet and not on a cell phone. Mm, it's not that much travel. It's 135 in the rear. Do 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 do. 135 in the rear, 150 in the front. Wow, I'm sure that's really balanced. Fits forks up to 160. Next. <laughs> I, you know, it's probably a lot of fun, but I, I do, um, you know, I rode the, uh, the fuel nine point, the fuel EX 9.8, which is 130 in the front. And you know what that reminded me of? And the way Matt describes the four, the five, five, um, sounds like this, but a, like a while back, I rode a Niner WFO. And it was the same feeling. Like, you know, you have this like subconscious thought of like, you look at something that's downhill and you see a bunch of roots or a bunch of rocks and you and you think you have like an idea of how fast you're going to be going down that hill like when you reach the bottom what are you laughing about this is another amazing episode donation okay um, just a second let me finish the story that's but you you have this like idea, even if you don't really think about it, of how fast you're going to be going as you go down that hill. And the 29er with the long travel, like you don't, you're going faster than that. Like you're, it just it doesn't slow down for bumps and shit. So it's like all of a sudden you're going way faster than you realize. So I think that's it's cool. Like I, I'm glad Trek's doing the. Uh, the slash 29 and the then Yeti's doing the longer travel 29ers. Like I think it's really interesting. Um, and I'd really like to ride some more. I didn't get a lot of ride time on the nine, eight. So we did get a new donation. So last time Zach from Connecticut sent in $10 for the note. And so did his buddy. And this week he sends in another donation for $10 with another note that says, Hi, Zach from Newington, Connecticut again. Thanks for sharing best friend's mangina with the world last episode. It's hard riding alone. I was hoping you could find me a new riding partner. I enjoy long, aggressive trail rides with my rebound turned all the way up. <laughs> I really know, or I know how to really work a suspension. So the longer and thicker the stanchions, the better. Preferably black stanchions, but it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> Of pre-morning. I'm really fast and may prematurely finish the trail before you, but I'll buy you a beer when we're I'm done. Anyways, thanks for the help. <laughs> that's a lot of uh that's a lot of suspension innuendos. There's so many <laughs> pretty innuendos. Good. Oh man. I love our listeners. Most um, of them. Let's see. So Tobias from California brings up a really good point. We're going to dive right into these questions. Um, Tobias from California says, Tobias, Tobias, Tobias. I don't know. I think, T- I think it's Tobias. At least that's what arrested development character's name is. So that's what it's going to be. He's going to be Tobias from arrested development. Okay. So Tobias from arrested development says <laughs> some things I hate or things I love. I went three laps on a decent trail 
here, which is California, uh, with the 29 inch wheels and then 27 five plus wheels. And then finally a 29 on the front and 27 five on the back oh. on his, uh, Santa Cruz. And my fastest run was with the mullet combo. My question is this a completely stupid setup or could you all see it working? By the way, running the 150 travel pike and had the chip in the high setting. Um, I've had the bike for, and then I sent the follow up question. Um, well, did you do three runs per wheel set or three runs total? And have you ever ridden this bike before? And he answered me back this morning. He says, I've had the bike for about four months. It wasn't the first with either, wasn't the first run with either wheel set, just my first time mixing them. Three runs total. Definitely. I did have, and I was, my point was maybe, yeah. you know, as you did more runs, you got more comfortable on the trail. It only makes sense that you got faster. Um, I did have the comfort factor increase from run, run one to two. So that could have been the case for run number three. I didn't get on the trail till four o'clock and I was too lazy and too pressed for time to get three runs on each tire size. I'll have to try that out and give a report back next week. What I liked about this setup was the front tire drove and dug into corners and rolled confidently over rocks, roots, and oh, rocks, ruts, and roots better than the plus size tire. The plus on the bike gave better braking and pedaling traction and seemed to follow better than a 29 inch rear. The uphill was where I thought it would be the worst, but other than really steep grade, the front tire wasn't trying to pull on the uphills. Although the plus tires have more rolling resistance, they felt easier to pedal back uphill in terms of perceived effort, but I could tell the 29ers were faster when there wasn't much incline. Um, Mm. Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's okay, really so like, interesting. Like, like, I don't know what to think about that. On the, on the surface, I'd say that's really silly, but hey, I mean, he did it. So, scientific method would cool. say that there was a learning effect, and even if you if you reversed that order, you would have been fastest on whichever one you rode on the third lap, and you need to ride laps on one bike until your time um, begins to stabilize. And then start mixing it up. Ooh, so I want to use this as another opportunity to bash plus size tires. So if anyone <laughs> else wants to do. go first, I, I just like to bash people who don't use the scientific method correctly. Anything, Kenny? Nope. I would say that you have only highlighted that twenty-seven-five plus wheels are vague and awful. I mean, you said okay. 29 in the front, it drove and, and, and the front tire drove and dug into corners and rolled confidently over rocks and roots better, rocks, ruts, and roots better than the plus size tire. So I think this is a lot of the reason that we see hardtails exist is because the front tire does all the work and the rear tire doesn't matter. I mean, once your front tire is not jammed in a hole, the rear end's coming. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> It's gonna come. Like you're gonna make it through there. You know, unless you're square edge casing something. Um, you know, the front tire's taking everything the rear is. That's why we're seeing bikes have more travel up front. That's why we're seeing hardtails with a suspension fork. You know, the front end needs to stay in contact with the ground and the rear's then just being drugged behind it like a screaming child in the supermarket. So <laughs> that's what happened to me at Winter Park. And I almost in the cross country race, not in the downhilling park. Yeah, I mean, so pretty much you're only highlighting that plus size tires are vague and they don't, they don't let you drive they don't the bike. Drive well. Yeah, they don't let you drive it. So. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, um, I think if you ride pretty slow, I think they're pretty cool. And I have this, I really honestly have this opinion about a lot of things, and people are going to get all pissy, but that's fine. I don't really give a shit. Um, that's my opinion on single speed. It's my opinion on hardtails. It's my opinion on rigid forks and my opinion on plus tires. Um, I think they, they're all fantastic in their own right. They all have really cool perks in theory and on paper, and they might be lighter or simpler or cheaper or whatever, um, or quieter or whatever you want to put there. I don't think you need to drag single speed into this. Oh, I'll, I'll drag it in there. It's in there. <laughs> There's no taking it back out. Oh, um, get it out of the bag. No, it's in the bag. Uh, I think it can be fun. I rode single speed exclusively for like two years. Um, you know, I enjoyed it, but I think at the end of the day, it's just you're never ever going to be as fast. Well, yeah. 
on that on that bike. When you're going 11 tenths, that's not what you want to be on. And I'm not saying people haven't gone 11 tenths on single speeds and people are going to get all pissed off and quote race results. And I don't give a shit. It, at the end of the day, if your goal is to go as fast as possible and to have the most control and everything else under the sun, then you got to not have the plus tires. You got to not be single speed. You got to not be rigid on the front. Like that kind of shit. Well, so, yeah. I mean, uh, single speed is definitely not faster. It's, I mean, that stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong. They all have their places. So don't get upset about I, that. I say single speed for me. Sing, I am fastest going uphill on my single speed, but that is because I am lazy and I will shift to an easier gear if I have the option. Sure. Again, well, single, single, every, all these bikes kind of have their little places, but in the, at the end of the day, I think for the average, I mean, just look at, uh, go look at a World Cup cross country race. Yeah, yeah. I they have a choice of what they're going to do. Guess what they're all doing? They're running gears with suspension, 29 inch wheels, no plus. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It, with that. it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I, I think you know, that, it's going to make people sad and people like new fancy stuff. And I like new fancy stuff as well. But, um, hey, if, if your goal is to go fast, um, you know, there's kind of a formula for it. And it's kind of a bummer that there is a formula for it. But, shit, you know, what do you want me to say? So, so that's kind of my rant on that plus size thing because everyone thinks it's this magic bullet that like fixes all these problems. And I think it's just not. So I'll chime in here and say the only hole I see in your theory there is when you look at something like a rigid bike or a single speed, I want to split yours into two categories here that I think falls into one category where they have limiters, but then those limiters, they like they have, you know, a pro and a con, right? But when you look at like, plus bikes and fat bikes and that type of thing. I don't think you see a speed advantage on any of that stuff. You know, so if you're running a rigid fork, but you're doing a grapple grinder, let's say you're doing a race that has like one super gnar section and then everything else is super smooth. Well, you're saving a pound for those other, let's say 40 miles, right? So there's yeah. one pro. Right, yeah, that's right. the thing. There's a, all of these. I totally agree. Almost every single one of these things has kind of that pro. And no, no, but like that's the, where I was going to go with the tires. Oh, okay. There's never and like with single speed, like take one of our favorite places, Solomo, right? Yeah. You kind of gear your 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 Solomo single speed gearing is sort of like, well, I'm going to pedal a 3220 uphill all day because at Solomo you stay off the brakes downhill for 50. You know, it's like a sawtooth profile. So you just climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend. You don't have an, a, a long climb followed by a long descent. You need to pedal followed by a long climb, you know, where you're sort of forcing yourself to rest on the descents. So you climb harder on the climbs and it balances out. And, you know, I, I've still had some of my fastest or my fastest time ever at Solomo was on single speed. Um, I think someone like I, if, I totally agree. I ran very comparable times on a hardtail single speed as I did with a geared full suspension at Solomon. But right. but my point is I don't know where that plus bike helps you or that fat bike helps you go faster. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree. I I've actually yet to see it. I think the only place where it might even be remotely faster is a relatively flat course with flat corners that's corner speed limited where you can possibly up your corner speed with the additional traction of those tires. That's just, honestly the only place I could ever see it being faster. Yeah. Maybe. We should go. So you're question. you're not really accelerating or decelerating your bike too much and it's just about peak corner speed, flat corners where you're you're pushing the bike let's say on a skinnier tire, you're just kind of you know, you're you're at the limit of your flat cornering traction if you will but it's a dead flat course and it's just like through trees, for example. So kind of like Memphis, it, that kind of course, I think the plus tire possibly is equal or possibly slightly faster, but that's it. I just don't, I don't see it anywhere else. I really don't. If this listener wants to uh, come back with a, a better experiment where he's blindfolded when he gets on the bike, so he doesn't know which tire size that he's riding, um, uh, that would also be helpful. Blindfold, full wrap fenders. Yeah. He needs course marshals, shuttles, and um, heart rate monitors and power meters. 
mean, we're just we're just really really turning the screws to you here. I mean, I I, I think the problem is is that. It I mean, doesn't matter. We should keep going. I think I everybody should say, ultimately do what makes them happy, but I don't think anybody should ever go into one of these situations thinking that plus tires are going to make them like make everything. It's going to fix all their problems because I think that's just not the you case. You will ride like Peter Sagan if you have plus tires. <laughs> yeah, you're going to flat out. <laughs> well, there you go. And I'll say this. I rode that 2.5 tire on Tuesday. That was the biggest tire I've ever ridden that still cornered well so there's that um sam from the internet says hello jra crew hello sam uh last show you were talking about gloves um oh i too like there was some typo there i too like my gloves to be as minimal as possible and sometimes they are hard to find i found these ones of you i've had mine for a season and a half and they've held up well in washing and wearing uh, keep up the good work. I don't work for the company or anything. I just like their gloves. And he sent us a link to the hand up gloves. So they um, look cool. I've never tried them. I haven't either. Um, I'm cheap and I have three pairs of the gloves that I talked about last week. And until those start to disintegrate, I will probably not purchase more gloves. And that's kind of what I answered in my email is like, I think we've all found gloves that work. And now we're afraid to spend money on gloves that aren't those because we know those other gloves work. Yeah. I mean, I like the The, the hand-up gloves look cool, and they do like the palm thing where you can put your hands together, and it says America, America, and it has an eagle, which is, it's cool. Like, they look they look neat. They're, a, you know, a regional um, to, like, the, the East Tennessee, North Carolina kind of area company. Like, yeah, I mean, they're they're cool. I'm sure they're good. Um, I'll probably try them at some point in the future, um, but I'm also happy with what I've got. Uh, I have a question over here. This is from a couple shows ago that we missed, unfortunately. Uh, and let me know if we answered this. I don't think we did, okay. but if we did, then I'll stop. So this is an email that was sent to, I think, just me for whatever reason. So, uh, okay. So this is from Adam from Email World. <laughs> Uh, a little about me. A little about me, if it helps. I'm five foot eight, 160 pounds. Race cross country here in New England, so super rocky, rudy, technical single track with lots of climbing, with great payoffs. Uh, I ride and race a Yeti Big Top one by ten, complete XO build with 100 mil Reba RLT tie, Mavic Cross Max wheels. I know you guys hate. Uh, I'm keeping my race bike, but would like to add a fully to my stable that I can have fun on and race on occasion. I, too, like, so I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, basically, I like XC geometry where you feel like you are in the bike, not on top of it. Thus, I'm torn between the uh, the Pivot 429 Trail and the Pivot uh, 429 SL. Thanks again, and have a great weekend. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me send some pictures. I got an answer. Go. All right, so get that 429 SL. Put a pike on it. If you decide at some point, hey, I want to put, I want to do cross country on this. Grab that fork off your big top and put it on there, just so you can drop like that half pound weight difference, or not. I mean, or just ride the pike because the four two nine SL with a pike rides like a bigger bike than what it than like your typical cross country twenty nine er. So my recommendation would be after riding a 429SL complete factory config, so well, did Fox have a, 32. Okay. It was a Fox 32. I don't know what offset it was, unfortunately. I believe it was the old school 46 offset, but I could be old school. wrong on that. Regardless, it is. Uh, it was 120 mil travel for sure, Fox 32. Other than that, just like factory build, DT Swiss wheels, 1x11, SRAM stuff, uh, XT brakes. It was great, and I honestly... I wouldn't have touched a thing on it. I really wouldn't have changed anything other than small little touch parts like pedals, bar, you know, that kind of stuff, seat post. I wouldn't mess with really how that formula of that bike. So 120 mil, and I just need to do research and figure it out, and uh, maybe we can let listener land uh, maybe find out for us if they have any little, uh, any inside knowledge on that. It was a 2016-year model uh, Pivot 429 SL. 
So the one that is uh, black, black and yellow. Yeah. And 120 mil Fox 32. So and it, but it was, it was. I don't believe it's boost spacing, a uh, boost no. fork or any of that kind of stuff. Uh-uh. It was a regular fork, 142 in the rear, so not boost in the back. Um, it reminded me very much of a Jet 9, but it felt faster than a, than a Jet 9 did when I rode it with 120. Yeah, I thought. So, I think the the pivot feels a little smoother in the back. Like it doesn't quite get hung up on rocks and stuff. It's much. Well, it's also it. got shorter chainstays uh, than the old original 100 mil Jet 9. Okay. So I think that might be why. Uh, but regardless, I thought it was great the way it was. That's my input. 120 mil fork. Whatever you buy on that bike, I would definitely run at 120. Even though that seems maybe a little bit not cross-country-ish, you'll be totally fine. You can absolutely rip on the 120 on that bike. Not a problem. Uh, I'll see if I can find out, but they usually never publish that information. So, Yep, and I would say 429SL, you're going to get a 100-millimeter improvement in rear-wheel travel, which is going to be 100 more than you have now. I mean, if you think about it like that, the 429SL is going to be great, um, and I think it's going to be a little less piggish than the bike you then you, or it's going to be closer to the bike you own. So you're not going to feel like it's a pig. Um, and you can, like Andrea said, borrow parts off of your other bike. If you go with the 429, because it's still not boost. So if you need a wheel one way or the other, you can steal a wheel from one bike and ram it in the other bike and just go ride. So I would ride a 429, not trail. So the 429 SL, that would be the bike that I got in a heartbeat. And if money didn't matter, I would buy a 429 and I would build it with a SID probably at 110 um, with a, a Monarch XX shock with dual lockout like mine has now. Yeah. Well, I don't believe that the new SID uh, comes in 110. I don't think. I mean, they make a 110 air spring for it, though, don't they? I, that's the, I think they redesigned the chassis for the 2017 SID, and I believe it's 100 mil only now. I'd ride it 100 then. I mean, I'm that confident in small bike, small fork, narrower bar. It all rides how it's supposed to. Yeah, but he, he said he like wants to have a bike he wants to have fun on and occasionally race. But it's all good, and we can all have our opinions. I, I think the 120 fork is, you know, is the way to go, and Matt, Matt thinks 100 mil fork is the way to go. I mean, it is. It, it, regardless, I think you'd be happy with the bike, and you might need to play with the fork. Maybe you can borrow one or something like that. Um, you know, you could always, you've got the fork on your high top right now, so you can always just throw that in and see what it feels like. Um, and that's probably a hundred mil 46 offset, I'd guess. So yeah. if it were me, I'd, I'd even, uh, maybe dabble in a 51 mil offset, a 120 if you want, want it to be real snappy. Yeah, you could try that too. Um, the, uh, if you get a complete bike i think you have the option with pivot to either get a 32 or a 34 oh by the way i yeah. lied I, th- I think the bike that i rode was a 2015 yeah Maybe. they didn't really they, basically they have the mock the 429 and then they have the 429 sl and they don't do model years oh, okay because um, i'm so, trying to find pictures of it online it's difficult for me to find it like if you have a bike that says 429 sl like it's it's all the same bike. Like they may have changed like the pivot hardware and the build kits, but it's basically like same frame and layup and everything. Cool. Yeah. All right. So we got another question and it is from, um, Joe from Ohio. <laughs> Damn. Not, not the person I rode with today, but, um, Joe, not Joey. Uh, JRA, Matt, sometimes I think you're a miserable bitch. I mean, it was a five-letter cuss word, so bitch is the only one. But just a little bit. That said, love the show and the banter. Thought you might like this podcast, such as on a lot of things that JRA discusses. And he sends us a link to Cycling Industry News, cyclingindustry.news slash, or just their podcast. Um, and he says, P.S., what does JRA think about Canyon coming to the States in 2017? So that's first question. Thoughts, quickly, anyone? Um, I don't know any of the backstory, so I can't add anything to that. Yeah, uh, I don't. I Canyon don't. is. Uh, is it going to be a direct, direct, a direct only thing? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't give a shit if they if that's their model, then that's their model. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, there's I, plenty of direct only ones, and they usually don't do very well, like Fazari and all those, and uh, they don't do well because they don't have actual real people supporting their shit. So I think it's a bad idea. 
for them, not for the not for us as local bike shops or anything like that. I just don't think it's going to succeed direct only. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a too specialized. It's way too specialized of a sport. Um, with you have to have some, tons of inside knowledge and just selling high end shit to customers directly off a website. I, I don't think it does anybody any benefit. So I, they do dealer directing in the the EU, and they're wildly successful. You mean consumer mm, yeah. direct, or that's what I meant. Consumer direct, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe they'll be all right. I mean, I, I don't really have anything against it. I just know that when a customer um, generally gets a bike um, and they take it out of a box and they start putting it together, um, they fuck stuff up. And then they also don't realize that, like, that a bike out of a box, um, you can't just assemble it and go ride. Like, there, it has to be assembled by you need to touch every last damn thing on that bike every last bolt on the bike you need to true the wheels true the rotors um stuff's going to get banged up um might have to tweak a derailleur hanger it's just the part of building a new bike um you know if you're if you're good at building a bike and it's new uh and it's a decent quality bike and assuming it's not just completely ravaged in packaging it should take you it should take you about an hour to build that bike yeah it's just that's how it goes, and I don't want to hear about some bitch who says that he built a bike in eight minutes. I don't I wouldn't care. Ride it. I wouldn't you do ride a bad your... job of building a bike in eight the, minutes. I mean, the fact of the matter is a skilled mechanic should spend around an hour with a bike. Yes, some go together in 20 minutes, and everything's beautiful and perfect. And But, you know, you should expect to spend about an hour with a new bike if you're going to do it right, especially if you're talking about a full suspension bike. There's just more to look at. you got to torque all the pivots. Um, test ride the damn thing. I mean, there's so much involved that people don't necessarily think about with a new bike out of a box, even if it's a $10,000 bike out of a box. So, yep. Um, so second part is plan to purchase a new bike soon. Just got a bonus at my job rare, but I'll take it. I'm looking to buy a full suspension 29er. I'm 45, 200 pounds, six foot two. I've ridden hardtails for the past 25 years and I'm currently riding a Linsky Ridgeline 29er. My riding is mostly cross country and trail. Um, and he says the only full suspension bike I've ever ridden was last month. It was the Niner RKT nine RDO during the Niner demo tour. Very nice, but I'm looking at the Jet Nine with a little more travel. Should I be looking at anything else like a Tall Boy, a Mach four two nine, or dare I say a Canyon? Um, here's the big thing. I like about the Niner is that it's 27.5 plus compatible here in Pittsburgh. I ride throughout the year and always tempted to get a fat bike for the winter months. I see the 2016 Niners having the best of both worlds. Three inch tire would definitely go far in the winter here. Additionally, I like the threaded bottom bracket, the 148 and 110 boost hubs. Again, appreciate the show. Well done. Keep up the great work, Joe. Um, eh, I mean, sure. You can get that in a whole bunch of bikes. When we talk about them all the time, you can get it in the Niner Jet Nine, the new one. You can get it in the Four Two Nine Trail, and you can get it in the Tallboy Three. And you there's can, probably other ones I'm missing. But uh, those the all Trek do, they, Fuel EX will also do both. Okay, so it does both wheel sizes. They're all boost. Yes. Um, they all have a decent amount of travel. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be super happy with any any one of those. I'm yeah. not even gonna pour over. I'm not going to pour over one over the other because I think that's silly. I think they're all really really good. So that's just up to you. Yeah. But there's tons of options. Tons of options. Matt's about to break out with something from Bikes Direct. Yeah, my big problem is if you live somewhere where there's winter and you think you're going to buy a bike that costs thousands of dollars and then buy another wheel set that's going to run $1,000 to ride it in the snow, I just have a hard time swallowing that. Um, If it were me, I would buy whatever bike I like the most. And then I would, instead of spending a G on a wheel set, I would buy this $700 Moto Bacane <laughs> that comes complete with the X7 dumpster fire. And I would ride that in the snow. That's a good if idea. It, if it were me and I was riding in the snow, I would ride a, this is a place where full rigid makes sense. Cause you're not riding 11 tenths, a full rigid fat bike, pretty cheap. Just like Matt said, basically do that. And then you've got two dedicated bikes uh, I am a huge advocate of not fucking with your shit. So get something set up the way you want it and leave it the fuck alone. Don't fiddle with it and have multiple wheel sets. It all sounds good in theory, but actually doing it, it's a pain in the ass. And it just, uh, even if it's once or twice a year, screw all that nonsense. It's just terrible. 
Well, Plus, you- a three-inch tire is not going to do that well in the snow anyway. A four- or five-inch tire will. Yeah, get that uh, spin-your-wheel money on a Moto Bacane fat bike. Dude, this would be... So, I think I just found the bike. All right. Um, let's see. Make a selection here. Okay, cool. So, I would buy this bike. <clears throat> Let me scroll back up and get this dialed in here. So, for... What is it here? For $1,000, you can get a bike with a Bluto. And then I would... Take that one thousand dollar bike. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy a, I'd buy a thousand dollar bike with a Bluto, and then I would take off the Bluto. Oh, that's that's where I was going. So oh, okay, <laughs> motor, they, they sell a rigid fork for two fifty. So I'd buy that fork. A carbon rigid carbon fork rigid for fork for two fifty, and I would buy that bike with the fork that fits it, and then I would sell the Bluto for five hundred dollars, and then you'd have the whole price down to seven fifty, and that bike is. You'd have carbon fork and um, let's see. Hydroformed you're, aluminum. You're up to X9 dumpster fire then. So that's like that's like a kitchen trash can fire. <laughs> <laughs> More like a, I would say, a, a, just a waste bucket fire instead of a full trash can or dumpster. Okay. Yeah. So that would be really hard to beat. Do they have like an X9 with that carbon fork on it? Dumpster fire bike. Um. I didn't even know they made like X9 anymore. I'm actually shocked that they do. God, I, I mean, all, that one. I thought it was all like the one by specific stuff, or at least the horizon derailers that you could supposedly run two by. Oh my God. That is like so good. Dude. Yeah. You get a uh, mule foot rims. Tubeless. At compatible. 11, yeah. Well, you're still at $1,100 though. My way. My hustle is the cheapest, yeah. So that's what I would do because, like Kenny said, you're going to be dicking around with a bunch of stuff, and I think you're going to. The other thing is, is like, how much would I have to pay you to dump salt water into your pivots? Yeah, that's the other thing. You're going to tear up. You're going to tear up that nice bike, and it's just I would not want to mess with it. If I want to go ride in the snow, I'm going to ride in the snow on my little rigid fat bike, and then just go put it in the garage, pretty much. Yeah. Like ride it in the snow, blast it with Dude, a that one comes in purple. With a fire hose and then just I know it doesn't matter. It's fine. So, yeah. Don't don't do it. You want one bike that does it all, you're gonna end up with one bike that does everything pretty shittily. That's exactly correct. Alright, let's keep going. Keep it moving. Quit looking at Moto Bacanes. Um, um, I, I have one over here, another one that I possibly went to everybody else. And again, if we answer this one as well, let me know. So this one's called uh, Pressfit 30 Blues from Matthew from the interwebs. That was me. Uh, yeah. Hi, Kenny and the rest of the JRA crew. Really enjoy your show. Uh, looking for some insight into a solution for reoccurring creaking in my bottom bracket and crank setup on my Linsky Pro 29. I understand your stance on Pressfit 30. No one likes it. But I got it, and I want it to work quietly if I can. I have a race face turbine crank and bottom bracket. Been through three BBs in the past year, trying to keep this thing quiet. Bearings went quick on first one. Second one was okay. Third one was just awful. I've been checking out the PF30 BB solution offered from Praxis uh, that presses into one side and blah, blah, blah. Um, they bill this as the press fit solution, but interested to know if you have any experience with that product. Also, if this is a Linsky issue, hoping you might have come... Uh, Hoping you might, what? That's not. I don't know what that sentence is. I think it's something uh, along the lines of hoping you've maybe seen this before and know the answer. Basically, yeah. So, oh, he was hoping maybe because we're in Tennessee, we're somehow linked to Linsky, but no, <laughs> not, not no. really. They don't. They don't invite us to Christmas dinner or anything like no. that. Um, anyway, yeah. Thanks for the show, and uh, yeah. So, any thoughts, you guys? Uh, Wheels Manufacturing makes everything you need. Yep. Pretty much the only way to fix PF or uh, PF30 is to put something with threads in it. So yeah. that's what you need. Which the Praxis one, I think, does have a threaded thing. So it, basically anything that threads together is going to, I think, work for you. Isn't there another new one out there that somehow threads together? It's got like one, it's like a solid sleeve that you press in. The whole thing is a sleeve. Oh, that is the Praxis one, isn't it? 
Is mm. that the one that has no, an adapter for an adapter? Praxis. It's a different. It's a different name, and I don't remember now. There's Somebody the one, showed it to me. The one company that makes something that like you have to put a sleeve in the frame. That's yes. when you use a Praxis in a BB30. Okay. That's okay. So somebody else, and it's not Praxis though. I think there's a, another company out there that came out with another kind of sleeved design. Uh, that's well, E13. The sleeve is garbage. So no, no. Well, anyway, there's another one out there. If I find it, I'll I'll update you guys next show. But I don't freaking remember. Yeah. Um, so that Praxis one, I remember now. Like that actually confused one of the mechanics at the shop. Like he unthreaded the bottom bracket, and he's like, "Wow, this press fit thirty sleeve." that's in the frame is a little crooked in the frame. And then he realized it was the Praxis sleeve that was pressed into the frame a little crooked. So I have a little bit of input here. Uh, Make sure that you are actually truly properly installing that crank. So obviously make sure your cups are pressed into the frame. Uh, In that tie frame, it's probably not a bad idea to use uh, some tie prep, like that copper anti-sea stuff. Uh Use that as a lubricant. And then uh, press those cups in, and when you uh, when you put that drive side arm in with the 30 mil spindle from the race face crank, make sure that sucker is fully, 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 fully seated. Hit it with a hammer. Way. Yeah, like tap it with a rubber mallet. Make sure it's fully seated because you're not going to be able to generate enough force with those little plastic threads to pull any slack through. So you want to do that on the front end. And then uh, what I always do just out of practice is I don't like to unthread that little tensioner knob much more than like a full turn. So if I first put it in and I got to turn that thing two full turns, I'm going to get one of those really thin, usually clear plastic um, BB30 spacers that's maybe a quarter or a half a millimeter uh, thick and put a couple of those on there possibly. And that's going to take up a lot of extra slack where you're not going to have to stress that tensioner as much because they're pretty delicate threads and there's not that many of them. So I want to have as much purchase on those threads as I can have. Uh, And ideally, you know, if you get like a half turn, for example, out of that thing after you put spaces in there, that's awesome. Uh, And then, but yeah, make sure that drive side is fully seated on there and then make sure you, uh, you snug down that tensioner. Don't go crazy with it. Just take up the slack with it. And then make sure you obviously tighten that little pinch bolt. Just just a little. So, don't go so, crazy so, on that pinch bolt either. No, don't go crazy on the pinch bolt. You'll see the thing uh, close up. And if it closes up, then you're good to go. But I've seen so many of those damn uh, bottom brackets, not, not bottom brackets, but the cranks themselves, I've seen so many of those installed incorrectly. And that's why it was creaking, because the whole damn thing is sliding back and forth, not because there's anything wrong with the bottom bracket itself. So, um, yeah, just make sure it's not insulation error. Yeah, definitely. That is a very good advice. But also, um, I I'm a I like the uh, wheels manufacturing stuff too. So, whichever one you choose. Is that all of his question? Yep. Uh, yes. Oh wait, I was still thinking about the last question. I was like, yep, we covered all of it. Do we have any more? Questions? Nope, that's it. Good. I'm tired. Fuck okay, it. Let's go. All right. Well, this has been another episode. Wait, is there any new shit that we hate? There definitely is. Can we talk about any new shit that we hate? No. That's a segment of the show that I like a lot. Should we talk about? uh, Should we talk about the Olympics? No, I didn't watch it. Is that or is that not in the? uh, Is that not our show's jam? You can get a a twenty seven five trail bike from Moto Bikane. With Eagle. That has Eagle X01 and a Pike and a Monarch with the piggyback for 2500 bucks. That can, is hilarious. You can basically buy the stuff that you need to build another bike that's not. That's what you might as well do. Go buy a Moto Bacane, uh and then go sell the frame to some poor sap on eBay and then just take all the parts and yeah. go build a real bike. <laughs> no, no, no. The real thing you would do is you would take your clapped out bike, right? Like, let's just say you have a Yeti that you're on the third frame. So the frame is fresh and everything else is worn out. You'd buy one of these and you do the old double swap. So you'd put, yeah, your, and then you put all your clapped out parts on the, uh, on, on this and you sell it for, let's just say 1200 bucks to some poor sap that would love it. And then you just move on with your life. Good stuff. Yep. Show enough. All right. Well, I guess there's nothing significant that we hate. Not really. I mean. I really like my Mach 6. 
We talked about some stuff we hated already on the show. Okay. Um, today, it's kind of the plus tire thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't ridden them, so I'm not going to like. And I really... don't full-on hate them. I, it's very different. Like I, People need to understand that, too. You're, it's you're not indifferent hate, about it. It's not them. a hatred. I'm very indifferent. I, I put 27.5 plus tires in the same in my same little bin in my brain with rigid forks and all that kind of shit. If you want to run them, that's great. I don't care. Uh, yeah, some dude I'm going to race against is going to be on one of those rigs and beat me. That happens. Um, that's not what it's about. It's just in my brain, there's no big pluses to them. So I just don't, I just don't care. Uh, now there's, it's very different from stuff that I hate. <laughs> so stuff that I hate would be like elixir breaks. Oh my gosh. I brought a set of juicy sevens back from the dead today. No, you didn't. Yeah, it's actually possible. You um, didn't bring them back from the dead. You just simply revived them. <laughs> I prolonged the dying process. <laughs> I put them on life support in their vegetative state. Nice. Yeah, that's basically what I did. There was a, there were a lot of black floaty things in the fluid when I bled them. Why well, they yeah, got to be black? A lot of floaty things. Dude. Yeah, those are the only avids are the only breaks that have mystery random black pieces floating in the fluid all the time. <laughs> oh my much. god, that's the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Even bigger than the ones in Arkansas? No, that one actually was insane. The, the ground thumped. The one that you could hear its feet on the ground. I've never seen a damn tarantula in real life. That was so fucking crazy. Oh, I think that this is something... Hold that- on, hold on. Let me give a little backstory here. So for those of you that don't know... There was a Solomo one year, and Kenny and I went to like the store or some shit. I don't know. We were we were out in the Civic, and we're just like on a gravel road, driving down a gravel road, and I'm like, stop, because this spider was big enough I could see it from the moving car. <laughs> I mean, just stop and think. This spider is the size of a small mouse, for fuck's sake. It's so. like if you picked it up, would it would it be hand size? No, not that big. It was that big. <laughs> it was absolutely. I mean, maybe you're a little pretty hand size. It's like its actual main body was like the size of the palm of my hand. No. <laughs> well, you have pretty hands. I mean, Kenny, you you have tiny hands. That that freaking thing was huge. It was giant. I've got the pictures slash video possibly of that somewhere. I think it, that it was gigantic. Kenny, I don't know if you deal with this in as a bike mechanic very much, but we have. People will bring their bike in out of their garage, and it will have spiders. Like, at least one or more spiders living on, in, around it. And so, today, I propose that we start charging a $1 per spider fee on everyone's work (laughs) order. Like, every time you find a spider in the bike, you add a dollar to their work order. I put that on Twitter and someone suggested it should be ten dollars. But I mean I'm not really that scared of spiders, but if it was like a bad, like poisonous one, like a black widow or something, that would definitely be like there would be a ten dollar spider surcharge on that. No, that's why you just keep your your blast off penetrating degreaser handy. Yeah. Spray I, I usually like try to like if they're dangling spiders, I'll try to uh, catch them and release them in the space behind my workbench so that they keep the cockroaches out. Because there's some, there's an Indian restaurant above our a restaurant. I'm not even going to say that it's because it's an Indian restaurant because that makes me sound racist. There's a restaurant. You mean it reaffirms that you are racist? I'm not racist. A, a restaurant because restaurants are disgusting, dirty places. All restaurants, even the nice ones. Um, there's a restaurant in the space above the bike shop, and so we have. Uh, more cockroaches in the shop than what you would normally see in a bike shop. And so if I find a bike spider and it's got like a little dangly thread, like it's hanging down like from the top tube in between the down tube and the seat tube, I'll just kind of grab the thread and I'll just poke that spider back in that space behind my workbench and they keep the cockroaches away. That's really weird. I figured cockroaches would eat spiders. Oh, hell no. Spiders are awesome. There's oh, a spider web, so right, like there are right. yellow jackets here. Like there aren't many wasps, but there are yellow jackets, and there were some that had built a nest in like behind the neon open sign of the uh, laundromat, and there was a big spider web, and it the spider web had probably twenty yellow jackets stuck in it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So spiders are cool with me. Word. Well, yeah, that's it. This has been another episode of Just Riding Along. We've talked about spiders, bikes, plus-size tires. I don't... I, thanks for listening. <laughs>